Welcome, everyone, to Lessons with Mike. It's the end of the previous month and the start of a new month, and we all know what that means. Hi, I'm Jesse. That's right, everyone. Jesse's here again for our monthly movie talk. Now, Jesse, I was thinking for this month, since so much happened, we could start to shift a little bit away in this series of just focusing on films we watch and talk about the culture and society of the film industry as a whole. For example, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but two major superhero films came out this month, and both of them did terribly, and not only financially, but also critical reception and audience reception as well. Jesse, what are your thoughts on this? It is so happy to finally see the age of superhero movies come to an end to make way for other franchises. I have, for years now, thought superhero movies have been tedious, uh, boring, repetitive, uninteresting. And there are very few that stand out to me and have stood yes. in the past five or six years. Uh, big exceptions recently I can think of are No Way Home. But one could also make the argument that that one is only so well. Because, because of the nostalgia factors. Yes, exactly. If those characters hadn't previously existed, would the movie have been received as well? I would say no. As far as a superhero film that on its own, without anything, just a singular film that was good on its own, we have to go back a while. At least, I think I want to say at least five years. You can't count Logan because that only works so well because of the 20 years of history with Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine as a character. I'd say... I was talking about Infinity War. Infinity War, again, all the Marvel movies that are... that They only work because they have a 20 years, 20 movies of buildup and connectivity. And those movies have mostly been subpar and mediocre, generic action movies. Some of them are very good. Some of them have very good stories, but... They're not really cinema. They're more like a spectacle than a cinema. You don't yes. go to... Blockbuster films, popcorn flicks. Some of them have been good. Some of them have been very good. But lately they have been incredibly subpar and mediocre. Um, Black you, know it's bad. you know it's bad that you'd rather wait for the movie to come out months after on a streaming service than go pay money to watch in the theaters? I have not even seen Ant-Man. I haven't either. And I haven't seen Eternals. Same. And I haven't seen Black Panther. They could all be very good movies, but I'm skeptical that any of them are. Um, but yeah, so since No Way Home, the Marvel movies have not been as well. And with the recent news coming out of DC, now, unpopular opinion, I thought Black Adam was one of the most bizarre movies ever. It was a lot of fun because it was so tonally inconsistent. We talked about this in a previous episode. Some scenes were very serious and very well acted, and even some of the comedic scenes were fun. But the scenes that were supposed to be serious, such as the little kid riding into battle on a skateboard, that was supposed to be a serious moment. And the way he delivered his dialogue, too. I mean, we can't blame the young, the young actor, who I'm sure is a very nice person. Um, True. But, but yeah, it's just like was not people good. didn't like look at it and see, hey, maybe we could re-deliver this line or do a, this some ad-libbing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that character should have been written out altogether. Or maybe that scene where he rides into battle on a skateboard triumphantly leading a group of farmers and, and <laughs> refugees with like picks and plows. and it, it's it, it was supposed to be some serious scene, but I thought it was rather comedic. Uh, but anyway. And there's a lot of drama, too, going on at D.C. 
that's correct. Um, Henry Cavill, as you all know, was 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 announced to play Superman, and then shortly thereafter announced that was not playing Superman. And I think this is a very silly move, and I don't see how this is going to be a financial positive for the DC brand because coming forward, um, Shazam Two, abysmal was not failure. a good box office movie abysmal failure it might have been a good film financially and that's what matters when you put millions hundreds of millions of dollars into these projects and not only millions of dollars but the time the effort put into these projects for them not to get a significant return on investment is not going to allow for future development of these projects and properties from what i understand you take a movie's box like a movie's budget and then multiply it by two and that's how much the movie is supposed to gain at the box office to, in order to get its money back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that numbers it's hard to know it's hard to know for sure how much of a profit numbers you know hard to tell but there hasn't been a profitable superhero film i believe in quite some time and when it comes to the mcu the films they were generic yes but they were also entertaining um, Love, Thor Love Thunder as well as Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness were not good, were not entertaining and after those two failures in a row that was when I was like, you know what, I'm not going to see any more in theaters except Galaxy Guardians 3 very excited for that one I think I still enjoy Multiverse and Love and Thunder more than you, but they're still not great but I just enjoyed them more well if you look back a bit, let's look back at some of the earlier films um, look back at the first Doctor Strange, one of my favorites. The first yeah. Iron Man, one of my favorites as well. Even the first Thor movie, in my opinion, is the best of the four Thor films. Honestly, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's an actual character-driven narrative. It's focused on the characters, the relationships. The, the goal isn't to make a joke. The goal isn't to <laughs> set up 50 projects. The goal is to just form a story. And franchises can be a thing that works. But the goal of one project should not be to set up the next 20 projects that come after it. That's why the worst Avengers movie is... Age of Ultron. You're right. You're correct. And these films, they don't take themselves seriously. But anyway, back to DC before we get distracted. Coming up this year is the Flash movie. Well, not Blue Beetle. I'm I'm skeptical if that will even come out. I'm I'm skeptical. I'd say... I hope it's not another Batgirl situation. I think they will end up regretting that. Um, especially because Brendan Fraser uh, just won recently, an Oscar. He won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Best uh, Ask Actor. Very well deserved. Uh, really, really good for him that he's made this comeback. And I haven't seen The Whale yet because uh, I, I know it will be completely emotionally devastating to watch. But, Plus, we're uh, watching it together. We are. Okay, I guess that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to watch The Whale together. Uh, but I anyway, thought that was a plan. I, I didn't think we had a plan, but now we do. I'm glad to know that we have a plan now. Yay. But um, as to what we were saying earlier, you could have marketed that film and focused heavily on Brendan Fraser, and people would have seen it. Yes, Brendan Fraser would be the reason why they would see it. And I heard, you know, Firefly, I'm sure it was acted very well. I mean, I think it's a financial loss that they would not release that, and then they would release Shazam 2, or they would release blue beetle i'm Aquaman very skeptical two. aquaman 2 i really like the aquaman one so i'm skeptical yeah. but we'll see like but, i don't get why they're still making movies in that universe if flash is gonna just reboot the whole thing the timeline doesn't make sense to me blue beetle should be retconned into the new plan or be a standalone character-driven movie aquaman 2 should come before the flash 
and that she so basically the release date schedule in my opinion should be should be as follows you have aquaman 2 and then the flash and then later this year you start the new projects with blue beetle that would make more sense to me if that's the direction you're going to go although i am pretty excited to see what comes up with the dcu i hope their the franchise model falls apart and instead we get character focused narratives such as joker or joker 2 yes that's going to be a good movie next year because it's a film. It transcends. It's not like a superhero film because Joker obviously isn't a superhero. It's not even an anti-hero film because Joker is is not a good character in the film. I mean, he, he kills people that deserve it, but he also kills some people that do not deserve it. And a very troubled character. And, and you know, anyway, we're we're gonna spend the whole time talking about this. Let's let's stay focused on the the state of the previous month and the films we watched in that month. That's enough talking about superhero films. Do you have anything to add? Um, as far as I know, not really, but I do kind of hope after the age of superhero movies, we get more grounded, not grounded in the sense, but more sci-fi based movies that aren't necessarily superhero movies. I would be okay with the superhero movies if they had better scripts, did not try to force a joke in every 30 seconds. And because the acting in these things is usually typically pretty good. Um, in some, that's not the case, but typically the acting is very well. The effects have noticeably, noticeably been getting on the decline. This is because the VFX teams are very notoriously overworked and expected to work on 10, 15 projects within a two-year time span. It's unrealistic. It doesn't make any sense. But I think, and I'm, I'm hopeful because going forward, the only superhero projects I'm, or comic book-based projects I'm excited for are the sequel to Joker, which is basically an original story. It's not particularly based on a particular comic. It's based on characters from comics. So it's pretty much an original story. In addition to that, the third Deadpool movie, I actually have, and I've had since this was announced, a giant icon on my phone. In all caps, it says Hugh, and the countdown is now listed at 585 days to go. So one day closer. Counterpoint, are you concerned also that that movie is like No Way Home in the sense that it's only going to be good for nostalgia factors? Deadpool is not old enough to provide me with a childhood nostalgia because Deadpool came out and it was an original film. It wasn't too focused on setting anything up and it was good. It was funny. It was unique for the time because this was before the boys existed, before Invincible existed. So seeing a, a an R-rated graphic comic book character in a feature-length film, it was something new and unique for the time. So, I don't you know. Do what? You need to watch Blade, then. I have not seen Blade. <laughs> it's really good. You need to watch the series. I know it's really good, but I haven't seen Blade. Blade is also from a different era. Blade is like, I was like four when Blade came out. That's a different time frame. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we'll see how that turns out. But let's shift gears now. How many movies did you see in the month of March? Just two. Just two? Okay, I saw significantly more than that. I saw a total of six films. And we're going to get into these films. We're going to be brief on a lot of them, and some we're going to go expounding into into greater detail. But <clears throat> the first of my films is called The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnass- Parnassus. Have you heard of this film? Uh, no, I haven't. Tell me more about it. It is a 2009 film, and it is Heath Ledger's last performance. Oh. And it was... Not only Heath Ledger's final performance, was also uh, the final work of, I believe it was a cinematographer. Let me pull this up real quick to make sure I have this correct. 
Hold on, we're almost there. Okay, so, yes, this was Heath Ledger's final film, and he had shot, he was one of the main actors in the film, so you can't just write him out of the film. So it was long thought that the film would never be able to be released. However, the film was reworked, and three actors uh, took the place of Heath Ledger's character, and it makes sense for the plot. It was incredible how they were able to make this work. So the actors included Johnny Depp, Jude Law, and Colin Farrell, each replacing Heath Ledger in specific scenes of the movie. And it's very interesting because this makes sense in the movie world. I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible on this, especially for a film like this where you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, to give you a brief synopsis, Dr. Parnassus is an older man who has made a deal with the devil, and he spends the duration of the movie trying to not necessarily get out of this deal but to the devil actually appears to him and keeps extending the bet he's like okay well you lost this bet well it's it's a very interesting film and dr farnassus is played by christopher Plummer. the devil is played by tom waits also tom waits yeah Andrew Garfield is in the film, and some other characters are in the film. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird, uh, unusual, bizarre piece of media, and it's very interesting. Um, so basically, Dr. Parnassus has this thing called the Imaginarium, and once you step through the Imaginarium, you're in the Imaginarium world. And this is why when Heath Ledger's character steps in there, it can be easily explained that when he's in the Imaginarium, his appearance, face, and personality changes well his personality stays consistent throughout all three versions of the imaginarium but it's it's so it's such an interesting film jesse i definitely recommend you watch it i don't want to give anything away but it's very interesting and i think you should watch it and it's called the imaginary world the imaginarium of dr parnassus all right yeah it's it's got andrew garfield in it it has i already mentioned that i believe but uh yeah i think you would really enjoy it seems interesting from the plot it's like one of those films that get you thinking it does yes there's a lot of metaphors i love films that have lots of metaphors and next month we'll talk about it's already april i've already seen one film the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but we're going to save the discussion for that one because it's another similar film in this vein of outlandish concepts that have so many deeper metaphors and meanings and it's hard to discuss these especially since both of us haven't engaged in them so I feel like a more coherent way to discuss these things because it's tough because I don't want to spoil anything. I want the, the ones who are listening to be able to experience these things for themselves, but I also want to facilitate a discussion and it's tough to, you know, find that middle ground. But anyway, we're going to move on. And the first film that both of us have seen on this list is cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. Now it is, it's, it claims to be based on a true story. Um, it is inspired by a fiction, by a true event that happened um, in the same sense that you could say the film Surf's Up is inspired <laughs> by the true event. that Honestly, Surf's Up is probably closer to a true story than Cocaine Bear. And I, I knew that much of it going in. I'd heard about the, the story of the cocaine bear. In, in real life, a bear 
ate some cocaine, had a heart attack, died. The end. That's that's the true story. <laughs> you can't really make a, a an hour and a half movie out of that, unfortunately. Not one that would be as marketable. Jesse, did you like Cocaine Bear? I enjoyed it. I like the cheesy, goofy horror movies. I did as well. It, big budget. it had like a big budget too. It wasn't like one of those cheap knockoff B movies that you find on the sci-fi channel. Mm-hmm. See, I think that was a problem. I think I would have enjoyed the film more if it had less of a budget hmm. or because the acting is really good. There were some severely uh, several popular actors in there. Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich was in there. Yes, uh, Jackson, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, this is one of his last films, I believe. Yes. He passed away. And you still need to watch Goodfellas. I have not seen Goodfellas. I really need to. Yes. Uh, character actress Margot Martindale. And I only, I knew who she was immediately because of how much I've seen BoJack Horseman. So, uh, Jesse, that's another reminder that you need to watch BoJack Horseman. Mm-hmm. Oh, also the, I forget what the mother's character was named in that film, but she voiced Wonder Woman in one of those DC animated movies. Oh, interesting, interesting. But the plot of Cocaine Bear, the movie, is very different than the plot of Cocaine Bear, the true story. Uh, Jesse, describe the plot of Cocaine Bear, the movie, if you would. Okay, so it starts off the same how it does in in the real world, where I forget what the guy's name was, but he was in a plane and he's dropping loads and loads of cocaine off of the plane. And like in, just like in real life as well, I believe he also falls out of the plane to his death. But then later on in the film proper, we see a couple hiking in the woods and then they stumble across a bear acting strange. And then the bear starts to notice them and they forget the number one rule of black bears. You don't run away from black bears. So they run away and the cocaine bear gets its first victim, which was the wife. And I, then- would, I would like to clarify, you should never fight a bear unless the okay, Jesse. That rule about don't run from a black bear, it's, you shouldn't run and turn your back to a creature that can easily outrun you, no problem. And yeah. With, a, with black bears and brown bears, they're smaller type bears, right? If you're facing like a large brown bear or a grizzly bear, if it's you, if you're done for, good luck trying to play dead as it rips your body apart. I imagine that's incredibly painful, but I also imagine you could pass out from shock. Now, if you're just in the Arctic wilderness and you come across a polar bear and it's coming towards you, just go ahead and just lie down and die because you're not going to win that fight unless honestly, if you have head firepower. Honestly, I think if you're uh, if I me personally, if I was ever taking an uh, unaided trip to explore the North Pole, that's where polar bears live, not the South Pole, because that's where the penguins live. Unless we're yeah, penguins don't live in the North Pole, do they? No, they live in the South Pole. Yeah, penguins live, but do any subspecies of penguin live in the North Pole? Nope. I think the furthest they get is like the coast of South America or Africa. Now, here's my, yeah, there are some in South America, but, but here's my follow up question. Is the great auk a type of penguin? No. What, what, what type of species is a great auk? I think it's just a seabird. A seabird, but it couldn't fly. Right. Fascinating. I'd love to do a whole program on the great auk one day. It's such a sad story about how human greed and destruction ruin. Anyway, moving on. So if you're in the North Pole, if, me personally, if I'm ever going to the North Pole on some sort of unaided expedition, I would have a cyanide pill installed into my mouth mm. because I don't want to be ripped apart by a polar bear. That'd be incredibly painful. Uh, and I would prefer to live my final moments not suffering extreme pain. Jesse, do you know if a cyanide pill causes extreme pain? 
Wait, did you ask, did you know, or I didn't hear that part? I'm asking, do you know if taking a cyanide, like, is it painful to ingest a cyanide pill? What are your thoughts? I don't know. I haven't researched it, nor do I have any um, eyewitness accounts of people doing that. I would imagine not, because they would all be dead. I don't know some people have survived, though. They were permanently disfigured horribly, I believe. Anyway, we're going to move on now. So like you were saying, uh, they run from the bear. The bear attacks them, rips them to pieces. Uh, very graphic. R- rips one of them to pieces. The other one later come to find out escapes, uh, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Basically, uh, Ray Liotta's character sends his son. His son is all upset that his wife left him or his girlfriend left him. He sends his son and his pal uh, to go track down the cocaine. And there's a group because of if they don't get the cocaine back, they're gonna go after his dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a police officer, a detective actually, in the police who has this little dog, and he doesn't know how to take care of it. And uh, it's interesting because he just he gives the dog away to another police officer, and later on that police officer turns out to be secretly working for the drug gang, and then oh no, what's gonna happen to the dog? Well, uh, this the the, the, the dog gets a safe, nice home in the end. Heavy spoilers for Cocaine Bear, not that anyone cares. I didn't care about these characters. I mean, the acting was a lot better than I thought it would be, but I mainly wanted to see the Cocaine Bear, you know, do things. And a lot of times the action, it would jump cut or shaky cam away from the, the, the action of the Cocaine Bear. There was a very funny, although peculiar scene where the bear fell on someone and the man the bear fell upon was like, oh, the bear's vagina is on my mouth. Although that is not how the bear fell down at all. <laughs> because it, I don't know how Jesse described this, if you would. What am I describing? The bear. It fell down. Yes. Um, the way it fell down, the bear's vagina was on the guy's head. Like it said in the film, it was on his ear. That makes sense. Yes, but that does not make sense because the bear didn't fall on the man that way. It fell on the man the other way. So that does not make it. Anyway, moving on. Cocaine Bear is a very silly, goofy, fun movie. Um, and I enjoyed it more than I should have. Surprisingly, that's two adult-themed movies about bears that have come out in the past few months that I've enjoyed more than a reasonable person would have expected to enjoy. There's a third one coming out soon. Really? Tell me about it. Five Nights at Freddy. Is that a real thing? Well, no, but it's based off the video game. And Yeah, see, I know Five Nights at Freddy's isn't real. I'm asking if the movie is real. No, it's based off the games, and Shaggy's... The... Okay, so it is real. This, what I, you're, you're understanding. There's a communication breakdown. I'm asking you if this is a confirmed piece of media that is in development. Yes, and okay. Shaggy, the guy who played Shaggy in the old Scooby-Doo movies, is the main antagonist. Matthew Lillard? Yes. This is very... Is he going to play the bear? Uh, no, he's playing the guy who created the uh, the joint. Fascinating, fascinating. Anyway, we've spent enough time talking about those movies. Now, is there anything else you want to see before we get to the real meat of uh, the previous month? Uh, was there anything else on your end before we do? No, I have four more films to discuss. All right, and I just have one film to discuss, okay. but I will be, but I will discuss all the other films with you as well. We're just gonna, you know, I saw for the first time ever the John Wick. Now it's quadrilogy because there's four of them, and that's a word, I guess. Took you long enough. Yeah, yeah, it did take me quite a long time. Um, here are my thoughts on the uh, John Wick series. Um, here's my ranking, uh, in order from worst to best, in my opinion. Um. Do, 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 do. Three, four, two, one. What? 
Three, four, two, one. Three, one, two, four. Three, one, two, four. Interesting, interesting. So starting off with John Wick 1, as you all know, anyone who has you know any kind of connection with reality uh, is aware of this. Some people aren't, and, and that's okay. You don't have to be aware of it, but I'm going to explain it to you. Uh, John Wick, former hitman, assassin, whatever. Uh, he gets out of the life. He is married. He has a, he, he's married. He's happy with his wife. His wife is sick. His wife dies. John Wick is very sad that his wife is dead. He wants to kill himself. Suddenly, he gets a dog. His wife left him a dog. Uh, and a car. And, and a car. No, he, did she? Yeah, I think she gave him the car, too. Oh, no, no. He had the car before. It was in the flashbacks. Was it? I I'm pretty sure. So. Oh, she gave up the car too, but I could be, let me say. Yeah, how did his wife? I mean, you look that up while I continue, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, some Russian people break into his house, steal his car, kill his dog, beat him up, and John Wick gets very upset and kills a bunch of people, uh, and a lot of other things happen. And what I really liked about this first movie is it really expands upon this premise a lot more than you would think it has to. It really goes into detail about the shadowy secret world of these assassins and these groups, and there's a lot of lore and world-building that gets set up in this first movie. And I think the first film is the best for that reason. Not only that, it's the best of the four at expanding the world. It's the most grounded of the four. And even though it is very unrealistic, it's, it's the most grounded of the four. And in addition to that, it is the best acted, of the four, I believe. Uh, it's the only time, in my opinion, that we see the character of John Wick actually show human emotion. In the other three films, he just seems annoyed to me. He's like, maybe not annoyed, maybe maybe more just tired, bored, uninterested. Like, that's, that's the vibe I'm getting from him. And this is a real victim of its own success. Because once it became so popular, of course you had to make more of them. That's just how this industry works. Once something becomes successful, you have to produce more. You have to make more. And that's that's what happened. And I do think the, the following three films are all, all very good. They're fun. They're enjoyable. A lot of fun action to watch. Um, but as far as, you know, being a grounded, somewhat serious story with, you know, very good parallels and acting you know i think the first one has the other three beats by a tremendous amount jesse your thoughts on the first film okay so to back go back on your point helen did buy john the car but they were still together at that point so this was before she died it was only after she died that daisy showed up okay so but any thoughts on the first film First film is phenomenal. I loved it. It was a great introduction to John Wick's character and the lore surrounding the place as well, especially when you learn about more the the you know, underworld side of things with the Continental and Winston and Charon and all of them. It was nice to get introduced to everyone. And the reason why they killed, well, Daisy and took the car was because John Wick was at a gas station and Yosef, who is the son of the Russian mafia boss, Vigo. He asked John how much is his car, and John obviously is not going to give him his car, so they track him down and then steal his car and kill his dog. Mm -hmm. It's very good. I think you should watch this one. Um, One thing I will say that the subsequent films improved on, especially number two, and this is why we're going to move into two as my second favorite, because the creativity of the way he kills people there's a there's a line in the first film about how he saw john wick kill two men with a pencil and then three three men excuse me and then in film two he kills three men with a pencil it's really cool yeah how that would reference but the the basic plot for film two is 
someone comes to John Wick's house after this, and it turns out it was someone he he owed a blood debt to. It's one of the uh, the rules of the, the Continental. Uh, he signed a blood pact, and he owes him. John's like, no, not going to help you. The dude blows up John's house. John's like, uh, how can I get out of this? They're like, you can't. You have to do it. You, you signed a blood oath. So John does what the guy wants. Uh, spoiler alert, guy ends up, you know, betraying him. And then John's like, oh, I got to kill you. I got to kill all these people. So many people I got to kill. And lots of killing. Common is actually in this movie. I think it's one of his better performances out of all the films he's been in lately. Ruby Rose is in the film. And that was a very fun character as well. Who else is in the film? Uh, um, oh, Lawrence Fishburne introduced as the Bowery yes, King. Yes, the Bowery King. Yeah, one of my favorite characters from the franchise. Uh, going yes. forward in films three and four, I was disappointed that he did not get as much screen time because uh, he's one of my favorite characters from the franchise. At some point, John Wick goes to him for help and uh, he gets a few bullets. And anyway, the ending for two. Similar to the ending of three, that we'll get into later. Both two and three end on uh, very, very strong cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. And but two leads right into three, though. That's correct. Two like right literally three two. takes place right after two. I like that. I like that a lot. If it wasn't for some certain mm-hmm. one particular aspect of three, it would be higher than two. But the one aspect of three that I didn't like was the the main antagonist of the film, the the guy. And his his little group of people that did not take anything seriously. They were just like joking and making like comments the whole time they would fight John Wick. And I just thought that took away some of the seriousness and the gravitas of the situation. And it just kind of cheapened the whole thing, in my opinion. Three three ends up right after two. We're not gonna spoil the ending of two or three. We're not gonna do that, Jesse. So don't do that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But like Jesse said, two leads right into three. Three opens up with a very creative kill involving a library book. And it leads to some other things. Some other things can happen. And three and four use dogs in a create, very creative way as well. Mm-hmm. Moving on to number four. Now, four would have been higher on my list because uh, the great characters, the Marquis, Mr. Nobody, and uh, Kane, as well as... Koji. Uh, Koji. And even Koji's, da- Koji's daughter. What was her name? I think it was Akira or something. Akira, yes, it was. you're right. All great characters that were introduced into the franchise. Um, even the Harbinger, great character. The problem Killa is... Killa was pretty good, too. Killa. Who is Killa? The German guy with the teeth. Oh, yeah. He was one of my favorite characters in that, actually. Yeah. I was only in there for a few moments. One of my favorite characters in that. And the reason why for did not get as high because you know i really liked it um however it has the same problems that i had with two and three to a lesser extent some of the fights are played up more of a comedic type thing uh, this doesn't happen as much in four it happens more so in three not not as much in four however what i mean by that is it's almost comical how john wick and other characters are able to survive things they have killer suits that can like completely bulletproof and apparently super shock absorbent because I don't know if you know this listeners but in the real world it doesn't matter if you're wearing a bulletproof suit if you get shot that will still really hurt Mm -hmm. because it prevents the bullet from piercing your skin it does not prevent the shock from you know hitting you unless in this unless in this in the John Wick universe technology is more advanced than ours 
it's hard for me to accept that when in John Wick 1, it was a lot more realistic and grounded. But anyway, uh, I don't want to say too much about the plot of 4 or 3 because it would be difficult to do so without spoiling the ending to 2. But I will say another reason I didn't like 4 all that much. The ending of 3 was a big surprise to me. I probably should have seen it coming, but I did not see it coming. And 4... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I feel like there's an entire movie that was skipped. I feel like 4 should be 5... And there should be a movie in between three and four. Because... Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Yes, that's happening, and it's called Ballerina. Tell me more. It's okay. So you know that one, that ballerina girl that was in three. I do. So Ballerina is going to be about her, and it's taking place in between three and four, and she's going to be played by I think it was Anna de Armas. That's correct. I believe so. I believe so. See, that's what is really needed because four just opens up with John Wick in the desert killing a very important person. And he, he reunites with some other characters and there's just not really a mention of how things happened or he's not really angry about some of the things that happened that I think he has a reason to be angry for. And other than that, the characters and the fights and, of course, the action, all very good. Great new character introductions, and I would, I'm excited to see more things from this franchise. There's a spinoff about the Continental coming out as well. Yes, I think it's coming out in September, and it's going to be on Peacock. Well, I don't know anyone who has Peacock, so that one's going to be tough for me to watch. Yeah, but, I don't either. But yeah, that was our little movie conversation for the month. Any final thoughts, Jesse? Yes, I want to give some thoughts on John Wick 4 as well, since I really hadn't yet. Oh, perfect. Then please share those. So, like, overall, like, the John Wick franchise is probably one of my favorite franchises of all time. Just, like, how the characters are written, the action sequences, the stories, the moments, all that stuff. And probably my favorite, it's kind of a spoiler, I'm not going to say the spoiler itself, but my favorite moment if in 4 is there's like this one scene, and if you saw one, you'll know what I'm talking about, but it's a really, really great action scene at the end. Probably my favorite scene. Are you referring to the scene involving Mr. Nobody when John Wick has an option to kill him, but chooses not to? I'm referring to the to like the action scenes that happened before that. Okay, like, involving the like overhead shots. Yes, those are very good shots. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well, I I do really hope we get some more movies in this franchise. I do think five is still being talked about because ori- I don't know if you knew this, but originally four and five were going to be filmed back to back, but that fell through. Yeah, it's very interesting. I did hear about that. It kind of makes me, because I, I do feel like it started off in such a weird place. I feel like a lot of stuff was just grossed over and skips. And the adjudicator, a character from three, uh, her fate is never revealed. It's never really made clear what happens to her, which is a little bit of a of a bummer. And I was kind of hoping that the the some characters from John Wick 2 would come back. But, you know, we'll yeah. see what happens. Cassian come back. Oh, that would be great. That would be great, because his fate is also pretty unclear. But yeah, all in all, we uh, we had a good month. Uh, none of us, uh, neither of us, saw any particularly terrible films. So that's, I think, that's one of the first times this has ever happened in our monthly review series. Oh yeah, it is. All good films all around. Good, good. 
right, well, thank you everyone for listening. If you like this, please share it so you can share this experience. Share it so you can share it. That doesn't make grammatical sense. Share to share sharing. Sharing is caring. Very good, Jesse. Very good. Yes. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.